Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 68 of the Cos WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius, Dean Ayers, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, editor of hookedonwrestling.co.uk, sports journalist, and of course, Twitter blue tick wanker, Liam Hat. Hello to you, Liam. Well, they just made me sad. Well, I thought I hadn't been abusive to you for a long, long time. That's a lie. I hadn't been abusive to you on air for a long, long time. Do you know what? If I did the appropriate research, I'm pretty sure that is also a lie. I haven't been abusive to you for some time. <laughs> we've we've whittled you down to something vaguely resembling the truth. So I think I'll leave you there and, and stop uh, stop harrying you to amend your statement. But yeah, um, how's the oven you're in? The oven over here is great. Well, the yeah, the oven. It's been six days of thirty degrees plus, and um, the things my my uh, my other half goes to me. Why are you complaining? You talk about how the temperature is in Beirut and by that I mean um, before there's a massive fucking great explosion um, thoughts go out to everyone in Beirut if you can donate to the Lebanese Red Cross please do anyway back on topic um, and I, I have to explain that in Beirut they have air conditioning and maids and we have neither here in the UK um, so it, it has been sweltering but I, I must give a, a disclaimer that I am uh, I'm sitting in my kitchen recording this and uh, my kitchen backs onto the garden and I have got my back doors open. Not like that. And uh, we we are potentially going to have a thunderstorm uh, at any time. The sky has gone a bit black. So um, there may, dear, dear, dear viewers, wrist listeners, that's the one. Um, I was nearly going to call them readers then. Um, our, to our listeners, I, I may at some point have to say I need to pause this to shut the doors before the world ends so um we'll, we'll see what happens but um bear in mind that i uh, i i was the victim of a flood six years ago in the summer a summer thunderstorm when i lived in a basement flat and i basically lost all of my possessions because they all got flooded so um yeah i don't have fond memories of uh, summer thunderstorms no i bet you don't but i've got to be honest from my personal selfish point of view I am kind of hoping we can pick up some of the noise from this anticipated storm here on the watch along because I think it would be amazing if we could have this live recording while watching an episode of Nitro have a special guest running from Thunder. And lightning. Oh, I see what you mean. Thunder as in the TV show, not thunder and lightning the wrestlers. That's right. I was actually yeah. going to refuse. Sorry, I'll, I'll switch. I'll switch my brain on in a minute. Yeah, you should because I I was legit going to refuse to say anything else into the microphone until you acknowledged my hilarious joke. But is it safe to say, Dean, that after six days of sweltering heat, you guys are just are just begging for that storm to blow? Not like that. Uh, I. <laughs> 
yeah, I am. I am a, a, a sweat, more of a sweaty mass than usual. So yeah, it's wow. Um, yeah, we we need that. We need that blessed relief. We really do. But um, so on on the subjects of uh, of today's episode, we are we are doing another Nitro watch on the 29th Nitro, which uh, aired on March the 25th, 1996. And um, and we we were saying before we started recording, but for both of us, this episode has some kind it rings some kind of familiar bells, does it not? Yeah, so from my point of view, and I think I might... Do you know what? I, I've not listened back to check whether I mentioned this on air on the last Watch Along or if I said this to you off the air. So I'll repeat it just in case. And for anyone who didn't catch that last Watch Along, our very most recent episode, if you want to go back through the archives, by the way, uh, because wcw.podbean.com. So I, I made mention to Dean on or off the air that having a quick look at the results of this, it was bringing back some, some long-term memory triggers that... Back during the time, just after the the ITV worldwide years, uh, my access to WCW hit a bit of a wall for a little while, including the the uh, the, the very peak of the NWO, the the, the absolute first time around. I was not a, a live real time endurer of it. It, it. it came a little bit afterwards, so um, I only got to enjoy a few episodes even vaguely close to when they actually aired around this time bang in the mid 90s early nitro era one of them was this and i can't remember at the time it was either on uh, our version of tnt which sounds about right uh, or Bravo, because there was a thing where it was actually on Bravo for a while over here, wasn't it? Um, I think it was also on like something like Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, but it some... definitely aired on a Friday night. I remember that somewhere on our on our cable before we in our household turned off the cable for a few years, uh, and it came back in for us in '99 when we jumped on the digital revolution. Um, I was able to catch this episode. And yeah, it's, just, it's going to be strange watching it back again with with more context this time. Obviously, I've acquired a lot more WCW knowledge in the interim, and we are ready for this. Having watched 28 episodes in a row, like in in chronological order, not in a row. So yeah, it, it, I'm I'm looking forward to this and seeing what what brings back memories, what feels a bit different, how it hits me now. It's just gonna be. It's it's just some random Joe Bloggs episode, but on a personal level, it's gonna it's gonna bring out different reactions from us. I feel at at times. Yeah. Our our first match is Randy Savage and Dave Finney, or Belfast Bruiser, as he's known, and that certainly rings a bell with me. So I'm I'm wondering, I'm wondering if maybe this was like the yeah as, as we've we've mentioned the first episode on that new channel that we had access to. I mean, I didn't have access to it. Yeah, I didn't have access to it myself, but someone I knew did, and they'd record it for me. So um, maybe, maybe it did. But um, to put you, uh, you all in the picture, that we th- this is the episode the day after uncensored '96. Um, now Gag we reflex. watched. Oh, I'm sorry, we watched uncensored '96. So you don't have to. Way back in um, episode nine um of of this podcast so um yeah that was originally recorded on march the 7th 2018 if you wanted to go find that and we recorded that with the 
godfather of Hooked on Wrestling himself, Mr. Paul Benson. First of three appearances for him. I'm glad we made him watch that show because he's a bastard. I think he chose it himself. Exactly. I'm glad he suffered the bastard. He made us suffer. <laughs> we made him suffer. Bastard. So, um, if you if you're wondering what happened, we obviously we built it up last week where, um, the alliance to end Hulkamania, all of its participants were revealed. Brian Pillman wanted nothing to do with it. They brought in the old Zeus called Z Gangster and Jeep Swenson, who they called the final solution before someone realised that it was really, really not a good idea to call someone that, and they renamed him the ultimate oh. solution um, following large amounts of uh, of protests. And, do you know, the only thing I can think with that is, can thank God Twitter wasn't around. Can you imagine the uh, quite justified and quite right shitstorm that would have ensued had Twitter been around when they decided to call Jeep Swenson that name. Yes, you have a point with that, but it's worth remembering that WCW had a knack for managing to grossly offend people, even without social media. You know, they they just send Cowboy Bill Watts up into headquarters to go um, offend the entire black population of of baseball, you know, basically. (laughs) Oh, he did. Um, he did an interview with with the Torch, wasn't it? That got him fired, basically. Yeah, was it Hank Aaron? I want to Hank say. Hank Aaron, yeah. Yeah. Like, sporting legend who is not going to appreciate uh, someone turning around and saying, "Yeah, uh, restaurants should have the right to just choose not to serve people based on their skin color." Oh, Bill. Yeah, that, that was pretty much it. Restaurants should have the right to not serve people based on whether they're a prick or not. Mm. Not because of their skin colour, Bill. Come on, get with the programme. Fuck's sake. Well, it's a similar thing to if you think when when people cite their right to free speech when it comes to coming out with hate speech, you could use the same logic here. Yeah, sure, people have the right to turn away custom based skin colour and they also have the right to go out of business because of that stupid decision Precisely. two days later. So yeah, yes. if we're gonna do this free country uh, yarn, yeah, it goes both ways, mate. Well it's the old it's the old um the old analogy or the old comparison that uh it, it was it free speech goes with responsibility because uh if I'm sitting now this was obviously pre-COVID. Do you remember the days of crowded crowded cinemas or movie theatres, as our American friends will know them as? Uh, you have the right to freedom of speech. However, if you shout fire in a crowded movie theatre, then uh, then you have to uh, t- take the consequences and the responsibility of your action. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, I don't know, it's... It seems that uh, yeah, social media has brought the worst out in people in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, it just kind of uh, puts a spotlight on what was already there and gives people maybe another another way to try and justify doing it. Similar to other ways, you know, I, I go to a lot of live sports, I'm a sports fan, but there is a certain culture, especially certain sports, especially football over here in Britain, where people see it as as an opportunity if they go to a live football match it they can go and abuse the footballers and swear in front of kids sitting two seats away and it's okay because that's football people are just looking for excuses to be horrific basically 
Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's something I posted on um, on Twitter a few months ago that, um, as you know, I'm half Arabic, but I, I'm my my mum is, is English. My dad is Arabic. I have got my mum's colouring. So I don't look really to the to the untrained eye, you might say. I don't look Arabic. People therefore assume that I am, you know, just white Caucasian. And I have had a number of times when people have said something racist against Arabs to me, thinking that I'm in inverted commas on their side, not realizing that I am actually one of the Arabs that they are having that they are slagging off. So it's um. I, I've I've seen the kind of the the, op, the the flip side of what a lot of other people have experienced. Yeah, and it's worth adding that the the first rule of social toxicity like that, whether it's a race thing or anything else where someone's being that horrible, is if someone's willing to say to you something horrible about someone else, and you think ah that's funny. Just remember, as soon as you're out of earshot, imagine what they're saying about you. Mm-hmm. It's, if, if people remember that, I think the, the world would honestly be scared into being a nicer place because you'd realise it really goes both ways. Well, that was a, <laughs> an in-depth preamble, wasn't wow. it? Wow, yeah. I didn't, um, even, I didn't even get on to uh, what the fuck's going on with your football club, but uh, we'll leave that I don't want to get into that. I'd, I'd rather <laughs> preach for 15 minutes and drive away what little audience we have than have to talk about Charlton <laughs> Athletics, because it's depressing. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right, this is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. Okay, so uh, we will uh, we will get our uh, our nitro all queued up. So as I've said, if you do want to listen along with this, then uh, we are watching the episode, the twenty ninth episode of Nitro, which originally aired on March the twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six. We are on zero 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 zero. And Liam, are you ready? I'm super ready. I mean, I'm not ready for the burning buildings because it's hot enough as it is, but hey, at least they'll feel lifelike. This is very true. Mm. Okay, so we will press play in three, two, one, go. There they are. Indeed. It really is a three-dimensional burning building. I can see it and I can feel it. Feel it, yeah. So, of course, we start with the Hulkster because everything centers around him. And he's a heat machine, brother. So we've just got Hogan and Savage and Luger and Sting on the beginning there. I don't think Flair was on anywhere. That did seem a little truncated, didn't it, that intro? So we are live as live can get because uh, Raw is pre-taped. So expect Eric to uh, come out some spoilers. Expect Eric to be Eric. Yeah. The only weekly live wrestling show. So we've got the US title, the World Tag title, and the World Heavyweight title on the line. Night of Champions. Flair v. Giant. First of all, it's back to what the fuck is he made that poor dog wear today? Oh, God. And more importantly, what the fuck is Mongo wearing? He's not exactly winning any fashion awards tonight. He's coordinating with the dog. The dog is wearing some kind of cow-patterned cowboy hat and poncho. And and 
Mango has got similar patches on uh, the shoulders of his shirt. Oh man, is is this similar to like when when someone has alopecia or something and they uh have to shave their head and then their their partner shaves their head in the show support? In solidarity, possibly. Or, I mean, I don't know many people who you know when they when they're looking in their closet in the morning, think what have I got that goes with what the dog has got? Well, well, there's Mongo. I'm sure there's a few others. So we are kicking off with the Macho Man. So as as we mentioned in the preamble, this is Randy Savage against the Belfast Bruiser, Dave Finley. So the question is, of course, Liam, is this going to fit, fit and follow the tried and tested Macho Man Nitro formula? Um... I'm kind of hoping the Bruiser will get a little bit more out of him. I honestly can't remember exactly how this match goes, but we'll see. More importantly, I want to point out that Finley's using his classic WCW theme that he used for the most part of his time in WCW here. And I'm bringing this up in the hopes that one of our listeners, who might end up being a guest at one point, will pick this for a paper episode as the theme because i love this theme it's generic but it's really cool and i love this jacket i mean he has finley has owned that jacket for a long time i remember him wearing that at the fairfield halls in croydon well at, um, le- at least he- gone there you go for it i was just gonna say at least we know who emerged from the dark alley when him and warlords went in there <laughs> And basically, Finley's look at this point is directly lifted from what he was wearing in Europe. He's got the same moustache and the mullet. And you'll notice he's going a little bit grey. So that's where he will start in eventually to uh, dye his hair blonde. <laughs> and by coincidence or otherwise, the macho man is wearing Irish green and white whilst taking on Northern Ireland's Dave Finley. Interesting that you bring that up. The, the only observation I was going to make about his outfit is that... Yes, it ranks highly when when we scale just how gaudy his outfits are. This is a pretty loud outfit, but I have to admit, I kind of like this one. I didn't even make it's, the island yeah. connection. It's it's not vomit inducing. It it looks like if they ever brought out the short lived mint flavour Slim Jim, this was the outfit Macho Man would wear to advertise it. <laughs> a mint Slim Jim. I would try it That's just for the sake of it. That- <laughs> it would be terrible. I know, but I would I've had I've had a deep fried Milky Way bar for crying out loud. I would try That's that. Joe, you know, if there's one place in the world that would do that, it's Japan. Absolutely. I I ate a wasabi Kit Kat in Japan. Oh yeah, you've been to Japan, haven't you? I have been to Japan. Have you been to Japan? Not, not yet. One but, day. But I haven't managed Terry Funk to be fair. I've got that going That's against very me. True. Yeah. Terry Funk wrestles a lot in Japan. So, you know, the Venn diagram is linked by Terry <laughs> Funk. Venn diagram. Here we go. Savage v. Finley. See, this is... We, we've made mention about matches that intrigue us on an episode mm. of TV. And you've got to set the, the, the goal a little differently when it comes to TV compared to pay-per-view. Um, and on TV, matches like Sting Malenko... Ric Flair versus, was it Buff Bagwell? Things like that. They're 
it's mixing it up a little bit. And it's weird Ooh. to see Eric Bischoff green lighting a lot of this stuff. And when we got to 98, 99 Nitro, when, you know, at a time where they had their absolute peak and then they fell down from it, uh, Bischoff absolutely refused to mix it up and give us things like Hogan versus Booker T and, you know, Raven versus the Macho Man. Stuff like that would have kept us watching Ooh. Nitro a little bit longer. Yeah. And this is, yeah, a really interesting clash of styles, clash of history. Um, and also, you've got two guys in there that can, you know, legit handle themselves. I mean, Finley is one of the t- just no- known to be one of the toughest guys in the business, you know, on the, on the Haku scale, basically. I'm encouraged so far. They're starting slow. I'm hoping Finley's not going to start dominating right from here because that would be your Randy Savage formula that he that, that he wastes no time in going on the defensive to whoever his opponent is because he then hits a couple of axe handles and the elbow. Oh, big, big sell of the, uh, the forearm uppercut or the European uppercut. Really putting that over as, as, his, uh, as his big thing. It's good. Ah, because, yeah, as I mentioned in the commentary, that he had that brutal match with Regal the night before. Of course. And Regal's, Regal's nose was broken and splattered all over his face. And they are putting that across as being done by the forearm uppercut. Hi, Annie. Savage now on the offense. Oh, he hit that post pretty hard, didn't he? Jesus. This is uh, it's a good start so far, and the crowd are into it. Mm. Well, Macho's one of those guys that the crowd will always be up for. He has he has slotted into this first match of the TV hour nicely, hasn't he? Mm. And, of course, with the uh, flirtations he's had with a world title throughout the Nitro era, a couple of title reigns already, uh, yeah, he will do some duty in the top match on the show as well. But this is definitely not the first time he's been the first big name out at that curtain. And save for a few moments, literally a few seconds of offense, it has been all Finlay. Yeah, just it's almost like I jinxed it. Just as it was looking like they were going for the feeling out process, you know, that surefire sign that a match is looking at you know, at least 12, 13 minutes in duration. It wasn't long before Savage just started giving him a lot, which is, you know, I'm not, I don't want to criticise that too much, but you know where it goes from there. It gets a bit, a little bit formaic. And, you know, another thing I find interesting is that from watching Finlay in Britain, the ring, as you know, the ring in Britain, the rings are a lot smaller and therefore people look bigger. And you always, I always would have thought that even someone like Finlay would be like dwarfed by the Americans. But I mean, Savage is bigger, but not an awful lot bigger than Finlay. He's also and he's... Savage is a legit heavyweight. He's got that low center of gravity as well. He's stout. He's got that sort of physique that benefited guys like Rhino and such. Because Rhino wasn't 
super tall, but he had the build that gave him mm. credence as a, as a heavyweight. Yeah. Oh, big miss. And, yep, look at that. <laughs> One error. Savage is going straight up. We have absolutely nailed on, stuck to the formula. Here comes the elbow. Out of nowhere, almost. And do you know what? It's worth, as, as much as we'll mock that formula, it's worth saying I did enjoy that match. But they got my hopes up. Because they started slow. I was like, are they going to give this like 10 minutes? That probably ran five. Typical Savage formula. Uh, that was five minutes and five seconds. Yep. Now, it's a Savage formula. You don't have to time it. If he's running the formula, that's where we're going. Um. It's like if you, you if you if you watch a chicken brown, you'll know it's been in for about you know the same amount of time. <laughs> um, I know my, me and my analogies. I'm sorry. Did you hear Heenan? He 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 turned around. He had disappointment in the tone of his voice when he said, "I, I honestly thought it was going to go a little more toe to toe." It sounded like he wanted it to be a bit more of a battle, mm. and it should have been, but. It was oh, no, enjoyable. It was a good TV match. It yeah, was, you know, it was. Big name coming out. And... Pass foul, it's a pass, you know. Yeah, he sticks to the formula because the formula works. Uh, it just makes you wish they'd have done something down the line. I mean, someone please tweet us and correct us. Because WCW on Twitter, uh, if they did indeed have another match that ran longer than the, the Savage five-minute formula, let us know. Because I'll seek that. But to my knowledge, they never did wrestle again the singles match in a, on TV, I don't think. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think so. Hmm. Here comes Mean Gene. Who's he got? Donate, boy. See, now I'm going to be really sad here. I'm going to predict that the women with him, Elizabeth and woman, are going to throw money out to the crowd. It's going to be Savage's money. And I think oh. Elizabeth is already holding some. So, yeah, this is this is the thing. Little parts of this show will come crashing back to me. I just remember them doing a promo where they throw Savage's money into the crowd. <laughs> Elizabeth showing more evidence of the hill hotness formula. So ever since her turn, she just got so much more attractive. And I do welcome any any um, any fans who find the male type uh, attractive, because that's not really a realm of mine. I'd love them to let us know some insight. Is, does that work as well? Are hills more attractive on, on that side of the of the gender aspect? Because to me, it's a, I don't know. What do you think, Dean? It's it, it's it's the hill turn that does it. It's it's the it's the danger, I think. Yeah. You know, that the, they have they have a bit more of a smirk rather than that really grating generic smile that baby faces mm. feel like they have to do. And I don't know. Look at Warren flirting with me, Gene. So Flair is now singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. Predating Bray Wyatt. <laughs> I think he's going to hit that nature boy sweet spot of a promo here. 
not too coked up, but still enough about it, you know. Maybe just a quick snort. Macho Man's former better half, now with the Nature Boy. And, you know, if you've been following wrestling in storyline, Ric Flair has been waiting for this moment since <laughs> 1992. We just he need is, a centerfold. Yeah, this, this has been like, you know, three, four years in the, four years in the making. <laughs> so... He's on to Luger now. So, so it looks like the failure of, you know, all eight hills last night has brought us back on the on-off, 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 on-off relationship yeah. between the Horseman and anyone associated with Jimmy Hart. Can, he, can I just point out here, just watch Woman. She is absolutely fantastic here. The moment... The moment that Flair tells Mean Gene to stop looking at woman, she starts looking sultry at Mean Gene, rub like just stroking his chin with her finger. Mean Gene nearly cracks up laughing, but she just the just the way she reacts to what Flair says is absolutely brilliant, and that you know that is one of the things she was fantastic at. And this, facial expressions. Yeah, and this is this is a guy we've already complimented who is like the quintessential interviewer, the way he would guide the more inexperienced guys through their in yeah. through through their interviews, and you've got the quintessential valet in woman, and they both just play their roles to perfection while Flair Ooh. does his thing, and as I said for me that was a sweet spot Flair promo, enough of his silliness but not too much. Because there are plenty of times where Flair just completely overdoes it. That was not one of them. No. So here we go. JL, Jerry Lynn under a mask. Why they why they couldn't just have him as Jerry Lynn, no one knows, but hey. We have I feel like we've already had this conversation on a watch along, but I'm have. happy to repeat it. I'll get to the bottom line of it. Is Booker at the time Kevin Sullivan, when they were trying to decide on what his luchador name should be under the mask, just said, Oh fuck, call him JL. And Jerry Lynn told Power Slam magazine back in the day that that was when he knew that he might as well just take every paycheck that comes his way and see how long they last, because it probably won't last long. <laughs> and here comes fellow podcaster Conan. Who, much like his opponent tonight, really should get rid of the mask and other outfits, because when these two started to dress a little more conservatively... And started being a bit more themselves. Look at that. They got over. Yep. And uh, that's quite incredible considering Jerry Lynn. You know, he's a tremendous wrestler. But he was always very ordinary. You know, but I think ECW is a good place for that. Because the sheer volume of his work. And when he did do a promo, if he was pissed off, he'd be pissed off. If he was humble, he'd be humble. And there's a certain relatability to that. But if he tried to cut a promo like good promo guys do, no, he couldn't do it. Look at those trunks of Conan. They are they are fancy. That's polite. If that was Mongo wearing that, I, I don't think you'd change your subjects or watch along. 
I mean, this is, this is Conan before he got really, really lethargic and Jerry Lynn's Jerry Lynn. So if they're just told to get their shit in, so to speak, this should be yeah. fun. And you remember a few weeks ago that Conan versus Devon Storm was just an absolute car wreck blur in the nicest way, in a way where yes, you'd want it course. to be. Crash, bang, wallop, yeah. Mm. So hopefully we get similar here. And it's worth me saying, I do not remember this match at all from when I first watched no. this episode. This completely lost me. No uh, no sign of the thunderstorm here yet, by the way. No, but I will say it's not as hot as it was last Last night was the worst, I think. Oh, yeah. It's uh, cool. Go on. It's cooling down. It's cooling down, but it's hey, it's it's hot in the ring, Liam Hap. <laughs> Good little starting process, but yeah, uh, uh, monkey flip lands on his feet, and the drop kick to the knee, and uh, DDT. And the commentators, the commentators are of course not talking about the match, but talking about Macho Man, who apparently is going ballistic in the back. Ballistic that he was made to wrestle Fit Finley for only five minutes, or was it the whole money thing? Uh, apparently, it's the whole money thing. Uh, fair enough. He needs to get his priorities in order, if you ask me. What should uh, the match of man's priority be? Well, as Mongo said, if you mess with a man's pride and his bank account, that's what you expect. Yeah, but those vomit-inducing outfits don't don't come for free. You know, he needs his money to buy more of them. Yeah. I mean, that will mess with Mango's uh, bank account and just being caught on camera wearing them, it's got to mess with his pride. You, you'd think so. Conan, really, really stretching Lin in innovative ways here. You think if he'd have done more of this while wrestling uh, <laughs> later on, he wouldn't get blown up and yet his matches wouldn't be so tedious. Yeah, but the camera work there didn't really show you what he was doing. They kept True. it on the hard cam. You couldn't really see the intricacies of what he's doing. The crowd didn't seem to be into it. And then your last bastion in that respect is to have the commentators hammer it home. And they're talking about something else. So Yeah, they're talking about the fucking macho man. So Because uh... we say that about WWE, as annoying as their commentary can be, the one thing you've got to admit is that with WWE, if they want you to care about something... They won't let you. They won't let it escape your your attention. Oh, they will hammer it home yes. and hammer it home and hammer it home a third time, definitely. And if they don't make mention of it, you know they don't give a fuck about it, and you you, you have a reason not to care yourself, really. Yeah. So uh, both men are down at the moment. It's fair to say the crowd are not into this. They are. There are people like just look at the crowd there. There's people just sitting there with their arms folded. The entire front inner ringside section just sitting there no one's really responding to anything yeah see when you have the Benoit's the Guerrero's in a match like this with more technical effort and work rate uh, they bring the sort of intensity and they have a slightly higher profile at this stage as well which which gets more of a gap which gets more of a pop I don't know why I said gap there and I mean, Conan has been around for you know, in WCW for a good while at this point. I mean, he's the United States champion for fuck's sake, so they should know who he is and care about him. Yeah, that that belt took an extended vacation as far as relevance, didn't it? In WCW. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we are in the uh, the US title era of Kensuke Sasaki and one man gang. Yeah, and then they have occasional moments where they follow the fuck it, stick it on sting formula, which normally pops it back up again. Yeah, because someone's got a beat sting for it and they'll get the, <laughs> the, the rub from that. He was always so that go to. Yeah, Sting was the go-to for everything, basically. Yeah. Absolutely everything in WCW. So um, there was a very nice gut-wrench powerbomb that got a two-count from uh, Conan just a moment ago. Yeah. He is definitely in charge of this match now. Do you know what I was going to say? Some some of these sequences are getting more and more blatantly rehearsed. You can see them kind of getting into position and that, which is... Not something you want to want to openly notice because it really pulls you out of it. So it's a sort of see, seeing the zipper on the werewolf costume in a movie sort of thing, isn't it? Mm. Oh, Mongo's mad at something. He's, he's uttered weasel at Heenan. Yep. I didn't catch what it was, I have to say, but... Uh... Oh, hanging DDT, yeah. That was decent. They screwed up the count there mm. because it looked like they're setting up a thing where he's really close to the ropes, Conan, and it looks inevitable that he's going to do the foot on the rope to protect that really good move. And between here and Nick Patrick, they didn't know if it was going to be a kick out or a foot on the rope. Even the commentators were slating it for being a slow count. Mm. And Very nice, nice Alabama slam into a rolling bridge yeah. for uh, for the three count. The crowd, they, the crowd are reacting a bit to it now, but it's it's not been. Um... So it was three or four really nice moves, swimming in a soup of just over rehearsed, tedious, you know, full. Yeah, that last minute was was good. Uh-huh. It's a sort of match that the real work rate kings would pull off, which is a shame because we would consider Jerry Ling to be one of those, but Ooh. this just wasn't it. And looking looking at that uh, that replay, I think Conan's shoulders were down as well, actually, but let's <laughs> not split hairs. Just to really hammer home, who was at fault for that match being underwhelming? Not going to name any names. No. So we've still got your favourite tag team to come of Luger and Sting defending the world tag team titles. God's tag after, team. Uh, sorry? They're God's tag team, let's be honest. Yeah, after, of course, they were on different matches in uh, uh, Nitro. Luger was in that eight-man clusterfuck cage match, and Sting teamed up with Booker T in the never-ending match against the Road Warriors. But don't forget, um, Luger's key role in that Chicago street ball, uh, he was oiling up backstage, and when the, when the fight came to them, they they attacked, he, he and Jimmy Hart made sure that uh, one of the Road Warriors was out of the picture, and Stevie Ray as well got involved it was a bit of a mess <laughs> just a bit so here comes Disco Inferno he's wearing Diamond Dallas Page's diamond rings because DDP is now out of WCW having lost to the booty man at Uncensored mm-hmm. 
So I'm guessing he got them from the pawn shop is, is the line they're going with. Speaking of the booty man, we're about to have him inflicted upon us again. Oh, and by the way, speaking of theme tunes on this episode of Nitro yes. and then being used on pay-per-view episodes we record, if anyone requests the Bootyman theme, I may just shut this whole project down. <laughs> just this, the whole look, his the look on his face... The everything, I just this this just makes my blood boil because it's. I mean, I'm not saying you know Ed Leslie. I'm sure is a nice bloke and that, but it's like you know, this is just the most blatant case of getting your mates in. Who the hell thought this was a good idea? Like, if you're going to insist Ed Leslie's on the show, all right, but the booty man. I mean, I preferred him as the Zodiac. He was better then. Can't they just turn in face and say, look, he's Ed Leslie. It wasn't really in Dungeon of Doom. He's Ed Leslie. He's going to he's gonna give Hogan and Savage some frying pans to help him out. Just say that. Yeah. Just just keep him as that. Just keep him as the bloke who provides people with frying pans. Yeah. You know, change his name to Robert Dias or something, and away Sh- we go. Chef Ed Leslie. Between yeah. that, Between that and old lady Kevin Sullivan, I, I think we could have done a great job. Uh, devising the gimmicks on Nitro. Yeah. The crowd are all distracted by something going on down the aisle. I don't know what it is. Well, oh, I can't believe you had to ask. It's Kimberly the Booty Babe. The Booty Babe. It was a different time, Liam. And why? why is she now suddenly like this squeaky fawning teenage girl all of a sudden. Oh, and the booty man has solicited a spank on the bottom from her, which apparently powered him up. And to, to be absolutely clear, he, he wasn't being beaten down by Disco Inferno. He'd already been no. in control, but he needed a power-up anyway to complete the squash. That was and fucking he, embarrassing. And the high knee, go on, say it. Uh, I, I'm too depressed to say it. That was that was a rotten couple of minutes, and they kept it short, and it still lasted fourteen seconds. To to answer your question, while these two swap spit on our TV screen, um, they basically just transferred him straight into what they wanted Johnny B. Bad to do. And as you remember, Johnny B. Bad did not want to run the storyline where he where he stole Kimberly from DDP. Ah, I don't yes. know if it was... A, I think it was for moral grounds, but you could also cite common sense grounds because Paige was the hill and Johnny B. Bad was a, one of the most popular mid-card baby faces. Yes. Oh, and all of a sudden, my uh, my Nitro has started to buffer, which hasn't happened at all yet. Okay, how are you getting on there? I'm still totally frozen on um, I the have graphic of Luger and Sting. <laughs> I've hit pause because you'll have in in a minute there will be a Saturday night plug, and I've I've paused it on Ric Flair's image showing up. So we're gonna bear with us, folks. We're gonna try and keep this rolling if we can. 
because we don't have to record this again. It means having to watch that last fucking match a second time. Right, this isn't... That is, if I press play, nothing is happening. You're struggling. Hold on. Yeah, I don't know if my... Um, internet seems to be all right. Let me just refresh. Hold on. 2853 hours on. That's strange. He's gone all the way back to the beginning of the Macho Man match. I'm on 2910. But if you want to go back to where you were just to give it that 30 no. seconds. Oh, to... oh, okay. Yeah. Um... There you go. Seems to be all right now. What time do you say you're on? 29.10. Okay, I will pause it when I get to there. Yeah, for, for so those... Now I'm on Saturday night. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. For those of you who did decide to watch this on the network with us, first off, thank you. And secondly, sorry that we've had a bit of a thing. Yeah, we, we have stopped there for now. And we're going to restart at 29.10. Um, also, I just have to point out that we uh, have on that um, on the Saturday night, we've got a match between Sting and Dean Milenko. I might have to dig that. I wonder if that'll be a, a longer version. Because yeah. they, only, uh, they, they went seven to eight minutes, I think. Uh, yeah, just, it was a fascinating match. Oh. Absolutely fascinating to watch. Right. I'm back ready on 29.10. Hopefully this will behave itself for now. So yeah. in three, two, one, play. Ric Flair will also be in action. Oh, Bobby Eaton and Dave Finley. That'll be a good match. The Giant and Big Bubba. We're, I'm t I've said this before. We're watch-alonging the wrong WCW show. <laughs> that will soon change. We are two months away from Nitro becoming the centerpiece of the WCW weekly schedule. Yeah, the two-hour centerpiece, definitely. So here comes another memorable <clears throat> WCW entrance theme, that of the American Males. And um, Eric Bischoff has, for some reason on air, just decided to out the fact that Tony Schiavone's real first name is Noah. <laughs> I completely missed that. I think I was distracted by all this denim. <laughs> so the American Males... Babyface tag team challenging for the world tag team titles. The answer to the question, what happens if a bejeweler meets double denim? The American Mouse. Yep. And here comes Dave Penzer's favourite WCW theme of all time, Man Called Sting. Yes, I'm being sarcastic. He hated it. <laughs> he does this. He does that. Sting or Dave Penzer? The 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 music starts with <laughs> he does this, he does that. It's the best lyrics ever. So Luger, well, Luger watch. Doesn't, <laughs> yeah, Luger doesn't have someone to give his belts to, so he's had to just sling them on the floor to pose, and now he picks them up again. Yeah, they're going they're going, they're going pose for pose to set the pyro off. Yeah, world tag title in one hand, 
TV title in the other. He's enthusiastically slapping hands. No sign of Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Big smile on Luger's face. No, no, no. Can you see what he's doing? When Sting is watching. When Sting's watching, he's all smiles and slapping hands. And when Sting turns his back, he can't get far away enough from him. <laughs> I love this tag team. This is such a good game. This is, as you've said before, this is prime Luger. This is his best work. Character work, absolutely. Sting's buddy-buddy with his opponents. Obviously, there's been, there's long been a, a, a kayfabe storyline of Bagwell in particular being a Sting protege, dating back to 91-92. Yeah. But one thing I do want to elaborate upon is that most diehard wrestling fans will agree that the tag team partners who hate each other trope is overdone, it's cliche, it's rooserific, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily equate to all tag team dysfunction. I've got a lot of time for having a little bit of an, an edge to a tag team. It's just Russo and other such writers would always have it down as two people who are actively feuding, can't stand each other, but still somehow beat established teams. Sting and Luger are friends. They have good chemistry. They can wrestle well together. But one is one is a bit of a shady character, and one is virtuous, but he has a lot of time for the hill. Uh, Kevin Steen and El Generico, back on the independent circuit when they were teaming together. You know, Generico tolerated Steen. Steen was horrible to him, but he, yeah. he took it, and he took it. He was a saint for taking it. But when they wrestled together, no one could touch them. Um, Samoa Joe and Magnus in TNA, they were thrown together and they just had this instant chemistry and they looked at each other like, I can't believe this is working. You can Ooh. do it in so many ways without Russo in it. Well, Scotty Riggs has taken over on Lex Luger at the moment. Luger's unhappy. Blindside attack. Little, so little subtle signs. Just talking through the uh, the tag team division. He said you got the Steiners, the Road Warriors, Luger and Sting, Nasty Boys, Harlem Heat. It's worth some big established teams there. There are, but it's worth uh, pointing out that as much as he's putting over the depth of the tag team division. Uh, on the last watch long in particular, and, and a few others, uh, the tag team situation hasn't been very good. The Road Warriors situation has been a confusing mess. Um, some yep. of the match quality has been really poor. So it's not as great as it looks on paper. But Sting and Luger are awesome. But then that's the commentator's job to, you know, hype up and shill the, the product. I, I know. But when you say it in the face of utter crap, you know, as as most politicians show, it, it you just lose all credibility. There is there is a technique, an art to spin. So um, Bagwell's come in and Luger's just immediately backed off, and he wants the tag, and he has his tag Sting. Yeah. Sting doesn't look too happy with that. Yeah, well, Luger has not got on great so far against. Either American male, and he's got frustrated, and he has cheap shotted and roughed them up outside the ring. 
tempers flaring. He's tagged out to Sting, who, and now he's being a happy babyface cheerleader. And Sting's like, dude. <laughs> So, yeah, hyping that Sting and Bagwell know each other very well. Mm. And very high-paced uh, piece of action there, ending, culminating in a back body drop. Now, this is two guys. WCW could have had worked together a bit more in 1999 when the, when the match-ups, the pairings were really starting to get stale. I think Buff, he'll buff Bagwell and... You know, the icon Sting, the man who got them through the worst of the New World Order. Yep. And while citing this rich and storied history and the status as mentor protege, that's something they could, a story they could have told with very little effort. Bagwell tags out to Riggs. And the crowd's really up for this part. Mm. Firstly, you had Luger getting them going with the, you know, with a friction with his opponents, and now Sting's just got them out of the palm of his hand with the woos and the uh, and the babyface showdowns with his with his friends. This is such, you know, storytelling wise, it's just so easy to watch so far, and they've they've not gone out of first gear yet. They may not even have to. And Luca's selling for these two. Mm. And commentary just uh, talking about anything but the action in the about ring. About the match? Yeah. yeah. Talking about the Chicago Bears for some reason, I think. Well, Mango. <laughs> That's why. Mango. Not, yeah. not to condone it, because it's ridiculous. But, yeah. So, uh, at least now, uh, Bischoff is tying into uh, when Luger went to hit um, Savage or Hogan with a loaded glove in that triple cage debacle. Yeah. They're playing on the fact that there was a hesitation because uh, the babyface is ducked and he should have easily seen that they ducked and he was going to hit Flair instead, but he hit Flair anyway which I think is why Flair was cutting a bit of a promo on Luger, setting him up as a as a world title challenger. He's really flirting with that heel-faced lion. Mm. And he's now had a, a furious volley of offense against Bagway. It looks like he's lost his temper for, with him for some reason. And Bagwell back with a flying forearm. Luca's been really good in this. The ca- not just the character work, but he's given his opponents a lot. Yeah, you know, he's he's not going to be on the level of an Eddie Guerrero in ring, but he's doing everything right as a professional in this match. And on the hot tag, Sting is not running wild on his opponents. He's going fifty-fifty with Riggs. Hmm. Oh, inside cradle out of nowhere, and Bagwell cut off Luger from making the save. I tell you what, Sting is uh, putting the miles on the clock here, running around the ring like nothing. 
and gets a gets a pin with a cross body block pretty much out of nowhere. And Bagwell didn't want to make the save. He kind of he hesitated. Bagwell, yeah, Bagwell kind of did a thing where you don't need me to save here, do do you? Do, what? Oh, because obviously in most tag team matches, partners don't run in for the save for every near fall. They tend no. to do it when they think, oh, crap, this could be it. This could be curtains. Sting raising the hand of the American males after finally getting his tag team belt off of Luger. Because Luger's just walking off, you know, celebrating the win. Yeah. But uh, Sting is he's checking on his friends and they're all posing together. You'd think that would be a prime time for Bagwell to actually be more similar to Luger in wanting to get out of there. Because they could have sowed the seeds of a split there. As far as I remember, it wasn't until uh, the end of 96 that he actually split from Riggs. Yeah, it wasn't for a while, yeah. But that finish did look like they were going to do something there. Like, maybe the males are in trouble there. Hmm. And Jimmy Hart makes his first appearance. We are straight into our main event. Here is the giant when he was uh, in the best shape of his career. He swiftly dispatched Loch Ness at at the pay-per-view, which obviously, for everything we've discussed on any uh, episode covering this era, is completely the right thing, considering... Loch Ness's situation. They wanted it to be more of a run. They wanted like a, a Hogan feud, I'm guessing, out of it. But the 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 hand they were dealt, I'm guessing, Dean, they they thought, right, let's just let's give him to Giant. Let's get Giant ready for what is to come for the Giant. Yeah, absolutely. Just you know, to to dispatch of another genuine Giant just only serves to put the Giant over at well, as literally as the Giant of WCW. And I and think so. Can he now add the, the world title to his resume? Yes. And I think I remember enjoying that giant Loch Ness match most because they just kept it short. And the giant, I think, busted out some agility as well. And yeah. it just, it did, it served its purpose to a T as a result. Yeah, it was very short. Yeah, the giant, like, went for a shoulder charge, I seem to remember, and tumbled over the top rope. Hmm. When you've got when you've got one of the two really big men in a huge big man match like that, bumping like that, and then pulling off moves like drop kicks and stuff, it really could. He's up against you know the old school of big towering monster, a a big heaving you know overweight uh, man mountain who doesn't move very fast, who finishes with an elbow drop. And you've got, like, the new model. Oh, here's the money throw I was referring. They're throwing the money yeah. on Ric Flair's match ring walk. Here we go. I knew I remembered this. Although but... most of the money is flying back into the aisle. <laughs> Probably because it's fake. They're like, no, this isn't real. Oh, Macho's oh the macho behind. man is there in the back background <laughs> trying to get his, his money back. Was he trying to get his money back or just trying to get to Flair? Whichever. There's... Duggan, Guerrero, and Flair is walking down towards yeah. Macho Man. Flair's loving oh. this. He's gonna put... Oh, woman, a woman got a woman slap just in. just gives him a slap while he's there. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, what kind of friends are Duggan and Guerrero? Let him tear Ric Flair limb from limb. 
Definitely. So yeah, just quickly, what I was saying was, I just thought it was really impressive to when you have uh, a modern day giant like the giant doing bumps and moves and agility like it is at Uncensored against your typical old school, almost immobile, you know, guy barely throwing elbow drop. It really put the giant over as, you know, the the new standard of a big man. So I like that about that. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for those who remember Ric Flair and the Giant in 96, I just want to point out that this is not the title match between these two. They would wrestle for the title again. I believe it was also on the Nitro. But this this is the first meeting between the two. And it's an interesting yeah, they were, one. Yeah, they've done tag matches, haven't they? We had... Mm. Oh, no, they were on the same team. That was Hogan and Savage v. Flair and yes. the Giant. At Clash, wasn't it? And there's not been an elaborate split between the two sides and, and to be honest they've done enough of that it is between the horseman and the dungeon it's so on off 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 but it's getting to the point now where they're not even transitioning they're not even showing us an argument or a falling out so it's getting a bit tedious but I'm hoping this match is nonetheless enjoyable and another thing you've got to bear in mind here uh, just goes to show how stupid that clusterfuck cage match was so we have we have just seen the night before rick flair failed to win a match where there was an eight on two advantage in his favor not just failed to win he ate the pinfall the world champion he did didn't he all those throwaways in that match meng barbarian two guys they basically just brought in because they were big and were not going to show up again and yeah. Flair got pinned. Jesus. <laughs> and now he's the next night he's defending his title against the the biggest man in the company. And we're meant to, you know, we we've now got to take him seriously. And he's already given Yeah, he's already given Giant a lot, bouncing off him on shoulder blocks as he should. But I've got to say I love the opening trash talk between the two. The cocky champion Flair just just walked up in his face and was mouthing off to him. And Giant's response was to just smirk and casually put his hand around the throat of Flair. Like just purposefully, gently, like I could just grab you anytime I want. I kinda liked it. Also, it's worth Watch this match and then watch Flair v. Eligante. And there are two guys, both with similar amounts of wrestling experience at this point, and the difference between the two matches. Because Flair is doing the same kind of thing in both of those matches. He is doing the typical mm. Ric Flair wrestling a giant type stuff. But the way that Giant carries himself and, and just gets it compared to yeah so much World's more mobile Jesus. first off yeah uh, so much more comfortable in the ring he looks comfortable in his own skin unlike el gigante uh, yep. and as we know now a natural actor he's playing to the crowd at every opportunity the giant yes Imagine if, if Paul White had kept optimal ring shape his entire career. He'd have been peerless. Absolutely mm. peerless. Mm. 
Well, if you remember when Flair retired from WWE, he uh, he told Paul White he was the best big man he'd ever wrestled. Yeah. I mean, don't go, I, I really do believe in every department of professional wrestling, you add them all up, and Paul White is one of the best. But he should have been the best. Mm. He should have been. He could have been, and he chose not to be. Oh, look at that suplex. Beautiful. And Flair is selling it like an oncoming freight train, which is great from him. But even without Ric Flair's sell job, as you said, he would do this for guys who needed it. But Giants offense looks great anyway. And Flair's selling is just a cherry on the cake. Yeah, I mean, Giant, you know, he's still green as grass at this point. He's obviously huge. And this is where we see what Ric Flair would always do as the touring NWA world mm. champion. Because he would fly all around, the, all around America and all around the world, taking on, like, the local champion. And quite often, the local champion was the promoter, who was shit but made themselves a champion, especially you know, in some of the more obscure states or or places abroad. And Giants he'd on have the to top make rope. Them, he'd have to make them look a million dollars, and Giant just went to the top rope and overshot a splash by a million miles. Yeah. He didn't do that very well, but I think he got but, away with it through the sheer awe factor of what he did. He got away yes. with that. They could present that as something, you know, the big man shouldn't have done that sort of thing in kayfabe. I felt guilty interrupting that really good story of yours, but I had to because the giant just effortlessly went no, up totally. the top rope and then nearly and killed himself. The same, there's the same movie did against Loch Ness, that yep. drive over the ropes. But yeah, this is this is what Flair would have to do. He would have to work with what he got to put a good match together. And that's where the, the Ric Flair formula match came from because... If you wrestled Ric Flair's match, he would just call it in the ring to you because he knew exactly what to do. That's where that comes from. Yeah, and now Ric Flair's got a length of wire handed to him by a woman and he's throttling the giant from the outside. Pretty much acknowledging that he needs this to tame this this huge, agile big man who has beaten him from pillar to post. Uh, no sold all of his, his most vicious chops because Flair has really lit Giant up with his chops. Yeah. And even when Giant dove off the top rope and missed, he popped back immediately mm. and didn't sell the chops. I suppose you could say that because he's so much bigger, that climbing to the coming down from the top rope isn't such a, a large fall for him as for a normal sized man. It's true. But they're, they're really selling this as it's not just the fact that he's bigger and stronger. It's just nothing he uh, Flair can do to to phase him. Those chops were fantastic earlier. Like, yeah. Flair connected. They were loud. They were great chops. And Giant did not flinch. And thumb to the eyes drops Giant to his knees because it doesn't matter how big you are, your eyes are always going to be vulnerable. Mm. And Flair's getting cocky. He's just done the Flair strut. He's now throwing punches. But look at that. Giant just pushes him off with one hand to the floor. Yeah, The, the storytelling on these last two matches of the show has just been just engrossing. Just mm. just shows a good story will keep you glued to, a, to even an okay match. And a low blow behind the referee's back because there's one other part of the body other than the eyes that you're vulnerable to no matter how big you are. Mm. And that is the uh, the groin. 
Yeah, and, and the referee's like, he's got the look on his face. He kind of knows what happened, but because he did not see it, he can't, within the capacity of his job, he can't just say, yeah, I think I think there was a low blow. So VAR. his hands are tied. Get VAR. <laughs> Woman's having to tell Giant to get back in position so she can choke him. So maybe we're starting to get to a point now, as this, as this match starts to take its place as the longest one on the show, Giant's just starting to show a few little signs of where needs work. But still, had he kept that optimum shape, that wouldn't have been a problem in like 99-2000, you know, when when he was like far too heavy and he weren't as good. But he had he had the experience by then to have, to have covered for things like that. Mm. Ric Flair goes to the top three, guesses what happens next. <laughs> He's signaling for the choke slam. Flair is begging off. <laughs> Giant is having none of it. He just leans over him and just calmly puts that goozle back around him. Choke slam. Flair didn't really get up for that. The valets oh, are in the got, ring. The valets in and the crowd are watching because someone's coming in. It's Arn Anderson with a chair. And, and Kevin, Kevin Sullivan. Sullivan the ring. But Kevin Sullivan's taken the chair from Arn after the shot. <laughs> and immediately as he turns around, Arn points at Kevin Sullivan like, yeah, it was him. And now Arn is enjoying watching this. Sullivan gets a choke slam and Arn Anderson is pissing himself laughing. And now he's in the eye of the storm. I remember this part very well. (laughs) And here's one for Arn. They they are absolutely minting the giant here as a top guy. Jimmy Hart's in. He's apoplectic that giant has laid out Sullivan. But I think he's safe to say that that's the end of the Dungeon of Doom. Thank fuck for that. (laughs) <laughs> would, would would it be fair to say though Dean as well that this match and the way I present it they have either thought to themselves yeah we're going to rematch these two and pull the trigger on the title change or that they have decided based on the strength of this showing and how well Flair did with him and how well Giant did himself to be fair maybe they thought yeah let's run this back in a month and pull the trigger hmm so no no contest. contest, yeah. Basically, a disqualification where the referee lost so much control, he can't actually figure out who to award the match disqualification. So he just has to throw the whole thing out. He's just like, yeah, fuck it, let's just go home. It is literally a fuck it finish. Yeah. And it works in, in certain instances. And I'd say, Dean, that that was one of them. Absolutely. I mean, I would say that all in all, that was a very good nitro. It was. Considering the shit that it preceded, that preceded it 24 hours ago. And do you know what? I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Conan, JL, etc., etc. But even that, on the pass foul thing, you can you can let that slide. I would love to just cut out that booty man squasher disco inferno out. That was the only thing that was actively offensive. But there was plenty of good on there. Savage Finley, we we don't want that to be Savage Formula, but it was a good match. The last two matches were riveting for TV matches. They told great stories. Yes. 
Oh, you can't ask for much more. That was a very good episode of Nitro. That was a very good one. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I just to as I always like to do this, the uh, the raw that opposed it was a taped raw, um, and that saw Shawn Michaels beat Leaf Cassidy, who is of course Al Snow. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley beat his mate Aldo Montoya, and the main event was Ahmed Johnson beating Owen Hart um, in a brief match by DQ. So. Nothing, uh, nothing to write home about there. I think, um, you know, WC- I would imagine WCW knew that, you know, it wasn't the best show, and they have therefore loaded things up on uh, on Nitro to um, hopefully for them, you know, they want to to win the uh, the ratings battle there. Yeah. Um. So next week, we uh, we do have um a match between Flair and Luger for the world title. So we've got two world they titles. They were hyping that, weren't row. they? Yeah. yeah. Um, Sting takes on the Giant. Um, we've got a three-way tag match between the Road Warriors, the Nasty Boys, and the Steiners. Plus, we have another tag match. I'm afraid it's Hulk Hogan teaming up with the Booty Man against Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan. So, interesting they're teaming up after what we've just seen. Yeah, they mentioned that on commentary right at the very end. And they said, like, how are they going to get on there? So, yeah, do you know what? It does seem to be, even though, yeah, Hulk Hogan's back and booty man's there with him other than that it, it does seem to be a lot of focus now now that we've got that out of the way it'll be interesting to see how the road to the infamous arrival of a certain couple of outsiders goes because mm-hmm. if i remember correctly nitro wasn't too shabby uh even before that fateful night on may 27th 1996 we just had to yeah. get the triple cage ridiculousness out of the way first yes and so we we well as you can see we've still got hogan and i think he'll have another appearance at least one more before his time is up uh for the big heel turn but um yeah definite thumbs up for me yeah me too uh i enjoyed that and hopefully there'll be more of that than there is of the shows like last week as we run up to that big moment Yes, indeed. Right. Well, that brings us uh, to to an end, I guess. We will be back very shortly. We are um, we all going well. We'll be uh, our next one will be a pay per view review. We are just uh, teeing up some guests, and um, we're also very much looking forward to the impending 25th anniversary of the first ever Monday Nitro. We will be uh, all going well, doing something special for that. If uh, if the stars align, should we say? Um, so in the meantime, thank you ever so much for taking the trouble to download us. Please spread the word. Please rate and review us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. And give us a follow on Twitter at BecauseWCW or follow us on Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. So until we're back again, this is me, the Twisted Genius Dean Anderson, saying on behalf of my co-host Liam, thank you for listening and we'll see you ringside.